Before we begin today's show, when you're working from home, it can be tough to find the motivation you need to get things done. Perhaps you've got kids running around. That's me. Your wife or husband is nagging you to take out the garbage. My wife would never nag me. You must be crazy. Or you may not be able to stop watching reruns of old NBA playoff games. They are available. You should check them out. No matter what the distraction is, I've got a solution that can help you out. Five-hour energy shots. They're portable and effective at giving you alert and an energized feeling you need to get work done, even if you're working from home. Five-hour energy shots can help you get through your day with zero sugar, four calories, and a convenient portable size. It's the perfect pick-me-up for a busy, hardworking person, even if you're working at home. And now it comes in two great extra-strength tropical tastes, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They're delicious, and they can take you to a tropical get-stuff-done experience. Try them both, then go online to shop the number 5hourenergy.com and use the code HOOP, H-O-O-P, to receive a one-time offer of 10% off your order. That's shop, the number 5hourenergy.com, code HOOP, to receive a one-time offer of 10% off. 5-Hour Energy, energy on the go. And also, I wanted to give a quick shout-out to the many talented people at ESPN who are still making podcasts, especially our producer, Troy Farkas. Just this week, ESPN released episodes of The Right Time with Bomani Jones, Ariel Hawane's MMA show, Baseball Tonight with Buster Olney, ESPN Daily with Mina Kimes, and so many more. So if you're interested, you can check them out wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, leave the Hoop Collective a review. Or better yet, if you've got a friend who loves basketball, tell him or her about the Hoop Collective. We're very welcoming, well, except for Ben McMahon. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast, presented for you by Goodyear. We talk about the NBA, we have the A-team with us. Joining us from the bunker in Boston is Jackie McMullen. Jackie, I hope you're well. I am on season seven of Nurse Jackie Bryan. I can't wait to see how it turns out. She's the most incredible character on, I know I'm years behind. I'm going to Tiger King next, I promise. You've got your own TV show? <laughs> Nurse Jack, she, what a character. I love her. I hate her. I want to strangle her. I want to hug her. Oh, Edie Falco. Just a I can't, I can't take a hospital show right now. Mrs. Uh, Soprano's got another show? I didn't know this. Oh, she no. Won you watch it. She won you should, you should really watch this show, Tim. And it's only a half an hour long, so you can binge watch four or five uh, episodes. I'm on, I'm on season two of Game of Thrones, speaking of oh, being right. way behind popular culture. Yes, you are. That's, that's okay. Timothy Band McMahon from the bunker in Dallas. McMahon, how is the Lean Cuisine pizza supply? I had to restock. I have gone to the grocery store one time since the season ended. I've checked the mail twice and taken out the trash twice. But uh, wow. so I, you, I, you are Mister Quarantine. I'm restocked on Lean Cuisines and uh, turkey and turkey sandwich stuff. Uh, you know, cereal, yogurt, etc. So I'm I'm good to go. That's a high right. QER quarantine efficiency rating. Yeah, mm, I see. Yeah, chicken marsala. Um, oh, so good tonight. I'm going to gain a lot of weight. I have a sad feeling. I'm working out. Do you know my trainer is delivering? This is no lie. Delivering with gloves, of course. A rowing machine to my house right. tomorrow. Can you believe you that? How about nice. that? A rowing machine. I'm so excited. Can you hear it in my voice? I'm very excited. Um, you can get, you just, can roll and watch Nurse Jackie at the same time. Just wipe it down with with Clorox wipes. Well, I got that. I got that. That's right. I got that down. But I'm just telling you, this, this is a game changer. Game changer. 
Um, all right. So a couple of things, and I, I guess we're going to talk a little bit about money here. Unfortunately, there's a lot of money talk in the country right now, but we'll talk about NBA money. So it's a, it's a, obviously a difficult time that we're in. There are a lot of people losing their jobs. Um, the NBA announced in a memo to the teams that they were going to pay the players their ne- their full next paychecks uh, April 1st, which represents games that they haven't played. I mean, we don't know if they'll ever play them. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. But that is for that they were they're getting checks for games that have, will have not taken place. But in the memo that they sent out to the teams announcing that decision, they made it kind of clear that there was a possibility that they may not make the full April 15th payment. The NBA players like many people get paid on the 1st and 15th. Um, and this, I think, is – we're headed for some drama here. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the NBA has a provision in the contract with the players where if there's some sort of act of God, force majeure, which I believe in French means major event or major uh, you know, major act, something I like that. I it means major force. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, um, uh, that they have the right to, to not pay the players the full amount. Let me give you some numbers here from Bobby Marks, who's our insider, uh, who knows everything. So every game in salaries, the players from teams earn between 900000 and $1.4 million per team. The team that, that has the lowest per-game salary is the Atlanta Hawks. They pay their players 900. $1,000 per game, everyone's single game check salary piled together. And the team with the highest uh, payroll and per game salary is, do you guys know? Um, uh, is it the Warriors? Still? No, it's not no. anymore. Portland? It is Portland. Which Portland? Is one of Portland. Wow. Not good to uh, have the highest payroll and uh, probably miss the playoffs. Um, they owe their players one4 million per game so you if you total everybody's salary together uh to play one game in the entire nba it's uh 37.8 so 38 million dollars so every single game that is played nba players earn 38 million dollars in aggregate and that's what the teams have to pay out so you can see uh you start having games with with no fans and uh and no television, although some of the television money is guaranteed no matter what. You can see why that number um, piles up. So this is uh, this is going to be interesting. Now, one thing that has recently happened is that the NBA went to their bankers and said, hey, can we get some more credit? And I think they doubled their credit They, as a league. Individual teams have their own deals, but as a league – they doubled their credit line from 650 million to 1.1 or 1.2 billion, and that loan was approved. So they have a line of credit, but it sounds like a lot of money. But when I start talking about that, every single game that takes place is, you know, 38 million dollars. That's you start to see where you know things can get hairy. Now, of course, NBA owners have money, but Jackie. Um, before we dip too deep into this, what do you think is going to happen here? Uh, because if, they, if you don't pay the players, you potentially are dealing with some fallout 
Uh, even though we all recognize a lot of people are going to be struggling, uh, the players, it could get dicey. Well, of course. I mean, in essence, we're already in a work stoppage, but a work stoppage that neither side would like to be in. You start stop paying players. You stop paying LeBron James and Giannis Antetokounmpo and Luka Doncic, and uh, you're you're going to hear about it because this is a players' league. We've established that many times over, and we've also established in the last you know 48 hours that. These owners often capitulate to public opinion, and you need to look no further than the Sixers and what happened, Brian, with their team when they when they were going to cut, you know, the uh, amount of salary for the for their employees, and the outcry was unbelievably strong. They reversed course, and they got embarrassed by their superstar Joel Embiid, who said, "I got you, everybody. I'm going to donate half a million dollars, five hundred thousand dollars." There is not going to be any sympathy towards the owners. I can assure you of that. Public sympathy, even though people are struggling and these and these NBA players make millions, people will side with the players. Tim, uh, Joel Embiid, uh, they announced that they're going to reduce payroll of uh, people who are non-contract, which basically means not the players and coaches. Um, you know, I'm sure there's some other people who are on contract, you know, front office people and such, but. Mm-hmm. Um, and Joel Embiid says, oh, you're not going to pay? You're, you're going to cut, cut their salary? Well, I'm going to write a check for 500000 Um You know, it was a magnanimous gesture by Joel Embiid. Uh, I would not have felt too good about that if I was Josh Harris. And if you're looking at what's going to happen in Philly, uh, the, the your signature star player showing up your owner publicly because he announced the – the gift, the charity gift publicly. Yeah, I mean, at least Ben Simmons and and Embiid weren't fighting for the right to write the check. That's about the only good thing you can take well, out Well, Simmons of that. doesn't have his max contract. He signed it. He's <laughs> not getting paid. It's a little a little bit bigger of an ask for, for him. To, to well, no doubt. And that max contract might not be for as much as he thought because the cap's going to go down and all that. But, I mean, look, billionaires cutting salaries, cutting jobs right now, it's – nobody's nobody's playing violin music for those guys you know and you're right Embiid basically showed up his boss is like really that's your reaction filthy rich guy you're gonna you know you're gonna cut from people who uh you know don't have nearly as much and it's tough because and not even so much for these guys as far as their NBA uh teams but you know their other businesses like Tillman Fertitta, he furloughed seventy percent of his employees for like Golden Nugget and all those land use restaurants, et cetera. Forty forty thousand people he essentially laid off. Yeah, yeah and 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 it's sensitive. I tweeted that today and linked to the Bloomberg news story, and it's a very sensitive topic for the folks close to Fertitta. I can I can assure you of that. And you know, well, he gave the interview to Bloomberg. He did. One life. He did. <laughs> No, and, um, and, and, you know, hey, is, is the vast majority of, of restaurants in this world, hotels, casinos, et cetera, having to take similar measures? Sure. But you're still not going to get any sympathy as a multi-billionaire when you're, you know, when you're taking away, uh, salaries from people who are, you know, relying on that to, to pay for the groceries this week. Now, billionaires versus multi-millionaires, 
honestly, I, I don't know that at this point in the middle of a pandemic that the public's going to really care one way or another. I, I don't. Well, I will I tell you this. I think, I think we just found out they did care. I would yeah, beg I, I, We I found out they, they did care based on the yeah. backlash that the Sixers received. But that's different. You're, you're, that's a case of you're cutting salaries of, you know, office workers. And, right. and you're not cutting salaries of uh, a guy who's making $25 million a year. Now, yeah, I don't. I, I don't think that the NBA players will have the public on their side in this. I'm just more, and I'm going to explain why in a minute. Why I think it's an issue with the players and owners, and it's delicate. I'm going to explain why in a minute. But let me just go back to Tillman Fertitta just a second. He is getting hit on all sides here. Oh yeah, because he the Rockets lost tens of millions of dollars in the fallout from the uh, the Daryl Morey tweet in right. Chinese sponsorship. So they were already getting nailed financially. Now, Tillman Fertitta's core business is hotels, casinos, and restaurants. Those are not operating right now. Okay, So he's really getting nailed. And not only that, but when he bought – he's a big believer in owning something him, his entire self. His company yes. is, is, is private. He owns the whole thing. Um, he doesn't have stockholders. He owns, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but man, he owns the whole Rockets. He doesn't have absolutely no minority partners. It is a right. family business. That is why he operates that way. Um, so when he bought the Rockets, and by the way, this is public information. This, is, mm-hmm. this has been reported. I'm not saying anything that's private. He had to, to borrow against his his company. He basically issued bonds on his company, and those bond prices have collapsed. So I'm, I'm, you know, Tillman Fertitta is in a cash crunch. With I mean, I don't know his balance sheet. He doesn't want me to know his balance sheet, but there is no doubt that he is facing issues, and I don't know how they're going to impact the Rockets. Now, when you own something like the Houston Rockets, you can always borrow against it. And, and you just I'm mentioned sure. the NBA bumped up that, that yes. credit and line I, significantly. But you know, and you know, Mickey Arison, who owns the yep. Miami Heat, his business is the cruise industry. Cruises are not sailing right now. Yeah, those are the those are the two owners that are being hit the hardest economically uh, right now because obviously everybody's being hit, you know, close to equally in terms of the NBA economics. But those you know those guys, their entire businesses that they where they built their fortune is just you know but, it's not functioning. It's not. Operating. But Jackie, something that Josh Harris said in his statement when he backed up uh, shook me a little bit. He he put out a statement, you know, basically saying he reversed his decision. He said, uh, I ha- "I'm not quoting it exactly; it's not right in front of me." But I remember the two words. He said, uh, "You know, I, you can't make decisions like it's. You can't make normal business decisions. You can't act like this is normal business." He used the words "normal business." That is what is worrisome: the fact that he would ever think. Of making a decision like it's normal business. Oh, we're struggling, so we're reducing salary. Of course, it's not normal business. Um, but Josh Harris has made most of his money in buying distressed assets. One of the distressed assets he bought was the 76ers, one right. of the greatest purchase prices of a team ever. Um, and so, but here, let me tell you why this is an issue because we're into financial stuff and nobody cares. But the NBA and the union, the players' union, are going to have to negotiate. When they come back, they are going to have to open the collective bargaining agreement for simple things like changing the league year. The league year is going to change. But 
there are going to have to be concessions asked by the owners potentially, and there are going to be some asks for the players. We are headed for a bargaining, I believe. We are headed for a, a bargaining session over the summer. The CBA, which was locked in for years, something like seven or eight years, is going, I believe firmly, is going to reopen over the summer. And there are going to be certain things that can be negotiated. And for example, like if they're already opening the CBA to talk about uh, how to retrofit the NBA calendar or change the the salary cap stuff, maybe they put one and done in there while they're doing it. Um, there is going to be negotiations and horse trading. And that is why the relationship between players and owners is something to watch right now. Uh, because they're going to have to get an agreement to start playing again, because they're going to, they're going to have to, they're, they're going to be outside their parameters that they're agreed to. Um, the major league baseball is doing a deal with its players union right now. I don't know if it got announced today or not, but, uh, they made a deal to change some stuff up. It's going to happen. And so we're going to see some structural changes to the NBA one way or another here. And I, and I don't know what they're going to be. Uh, nobody knows what they're going to be, but I'm just telling you, Jackie, they gotta, they gotta be careful. You know, I, I'm not predicting this. I'm just saying the last thing you want is for the league to be able to get back into position to where they can play again. And then you can't because you've got some sort of impasse on negotiations. Well, don't you think those negotiations are going on now? Some of them. I don't know what's going on now. Because, I mean, wouldn't it make sense? I mean, bat, like baseball, they're already trying to take care of their issues. So wouldn't it, doesn't it just make sense? I think it does. I mean, you know, the basketball, the whole BRI formula, the basketball-related income formula, is going to be completely out of whack, right? Yep. Yeah. So that's, that's going to have to be rejiggered as well. So you remember a couple of years ago, guys, the famous cap spike? When all oh, this yes. New, with all this new television money came in and the salary cap exploded upwards. Well, a lot of guys with expiring contracts remember it fondly. They do. Well, if the NBA is severely impacted, and Bobby Marks has projected that if they don't play any more of the regular season, that that will cost roughly $500 million. Mm-hmm. And if they do not play the playoffs, if they have to cancel the rest of the season, that will cost a billion. Uh, or, you know, or, you know, five, another 500 million, so a billion total. Well, the NBA's revenues are around eight or nine billion. So you're talking about a huge chunk of their revenue. Um, so, you know, 10 to 15% of their revenue. So when the cap spike happened, you remember the, uh, the league asked the players, hey, can we phase this in over yeah, three smooth years? Smooth it. Right. The smoothing. Smooth smoothing. Well, we may have another negotiation on smoothing. Well, they should have done it the first time. They should have done it right. the first time. But if the salaries drop, and let me tell you, I know that this sounds like mumbo jumbo, but like, let me just be clear what the what the, the stakes are here. Let's say you're Anthony Davis, okay, and the cap drops, and all of a sudden the max contract that you were going to sign. Instead of the instead of you getting thirty percent of a hundred twenty million dollar cap, now it's thirty percent of I don't know a hundred million dollar cap, and it's less money, a lot less. And maybe you're not signing a five year contract with the Lakers or or anybody. Maybe you're picking up your option in your contract, so you're going to be because I think he's got a twenty nine million dollar option. And by the way, I'm just throwing that number out there. I have no idea. Nobody knows what the number would be. Um, 
What about Giannis Antetokounmpo? He is going to be eligible to sign a Supermax extension, which we were projecting to be worth $240 million this summer. Well, if the salary cap drops, it's not a good time to sign an extension. And even if he's totally and wonderfully happy in Milwaukee, um, it may make no sense for him to sign when he can just wait a year and wait for the revenues to recover and then lock in at the price. Um, this is affecting major things here. And so one of the things that they may do is if the cap drops, they may negotiate a reverse smooth. I mean, what's the opposite of a spike? Uh, a divot? <laughs> you know? Uh, they may have to, to, to avoid the divot, to smooth the divot. The sinkhole. Um, it's a sinkhole is what it is. It'll be a sinkhole. But think about think about a guy like Durant. You know, one of the things the Nets wanted to do when they got Kyrie and Durant was not have them be able to opt out after one year. And so they locked them up. Well, locked them up as much as you – if you want to call it locked up in the NBA, it's about as close as you can, right, to being locked up. That now, if you look back on it, looks great for the players, doesn't it, for those players? Mm-hmm. It's hard to know. I oh, I don't think it's hard to know. I just wanted to mention one other thing because Chris Paul got traded this past year with what was thought to be an albatross contract and $41 million in a salary cap year that's $100 million looks horrifying. Yeah. Well, don't don't hold me to $100 million. Uh, I'm just throwing a number out there. I mean, we don't, we have no idea what it's going to be. I, I also had one more question. I'm sorry to intrude. You guys are having a lovely conversation. Um, Love you. We love you, Han. Come right in. Lovely. Come right in. The past CBA, Brian, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, didn't the Players um, players Association negotiate the ability to audit five teams annually? I believe that's true. It's a very, that would be a very interesting audit if and when that happens this year. Let's yeah. pick the teams. All right, everybody pick a team. <laughs> this is a fun game. I want let's, to play. Let's start with the, the 76. Let's start with the 76. 76ers is one. Go ahead, Andrew. Yeah. Who do you want to audit? Uh, I'll, I'll audit the Rockets. Oh, there we go. Yeah. McMahon, who do you want to audit? Clippers. All right. And Brian? All right, so – all right. Just, me just give me an answer, dude. Uh, not a long soliloquy. Just an I wanna, answer. I Come on, man. The, I want to audit the Warriors. All right. Very good. Troy, if you can hear us, just tell us who you want to audit. That would be five teams. Uh, give me the Chicago Bulls. All right. There you go. Um, so a few years ago, I'm going to try to find it in my uh, in my email. Um, I got leaked to me the NBA financials. And I, ned- I didn't really reveal a lot of them. And while I while I look for it in my uh, in my email, um, all right, here we go. So I just want to. I, I haven't really revealed a lot of this because I was trying to be responsible with this information. Um, but this was for this 2016-17 season, so we're a little bit we're outdated here. Um, but I want to kind of give you an idea of what NBA financials were. The league was not happy that I got this. And uh, I'm sure they've taken measures. I haven't tried to get it since. So I'm sure they've taken measures to prevent it from happening again. But I basically got the, the balance sheets of all the teams. And I was able to tell uh, who was doing what. And um, 
uh, it was kind of a fascinating look. Um, so let well, me what give was the exam. best takeaway? Just give us the best takeaway. Well, the best takeaway was the have and have nots. So let me just give you an example. This was the 2016-17 season. The Lakers, after, uh, you know, this is, um, this is their net income. You know, it does include the taxes that they would have to pay to the government or whatever. Their net income, and that was a year they did not make the playoffs, was $163 million. Um, they had to give $49 million of that to their partners in revenue sharing. And they, they took home $115.4 million profit for that year. At the other end of the spectrum, the Detroit Pistons lost $63 million that year. Mm. And uh, they got $17 million from their partners, so their overall loss was $45 million. So there was a spread between the, the number one team and the bottom team and the bottom, bottom line of over 70, you know, roughly $70 million. What was the bottom line of the New York Knicks that year? The New York Knicks made $96 million. Chew on gave, that, Leah. Chew on that. They gave $33 million of it in revenue sharing, and they made $63 million when it was all said and done. Um, the, the, uh, the other thing that kind of blew me away, I mean, we, you, you all hear this, but the local – media, the local TV deals, okay? In 2016-17, the Lakers' local media deal, so mostly their Spectrum TV deal, was $148 million. That's what they got from their local TV. Um, the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, I'm just going to point out, again, this is dated, and the, and the Grizzlies have since signed an agreement where they boosted it. But for that year, Lakers made about 150 million, and the Grizzlies made nine million. Mm-hmm. Nine million. I just want to point out, though, because I just looked it up, that the Knicks only won 31 games that year. That's right. And that's and that's you know that's the thing. It's a. And by the way, the Grizzlies. I just told you about the Grizzlies. Um, 150 million to nine million. Uh, the Grizzlies outplayed the Lakers that season. <laughs> you know, um, but people ask me, they ask me, um, you know, people, a lot, sometimes people talk about, well, is there going to be, um, could there be, uh, an expansion team? And I don't think there's going to be expansion anytime soon because let me just give you some numbers. <laughs> this is what the Grizzlies in, in 2016-17, the Grizzlies got $31 million in revenue sharing from their partners. The Hornets got $28 million. The Nuggets got $26 million. Okay? Uh, when, you, um, when you have teams, but between 2013 and 2017, the Charlotte Hornets got almost $100 million in revenue sharing assistance. When you have teams that are, that are Draining you that much, you are you are not adding to that. That is not a healthy enough league. That was one of the things I took away. Now you could argue that there is some sum uh, that somebody could pay in an, an expansion fee, you know, three billion dollars, where every team got a hundred or three hundred million or whatever. Um, 
you know, maybe there is some fee that somebody could play. There's always a, a check big enough, but that's one of the reasons why I don't see. And, and again, these numbers are are old, and and the I think the league has had even better years since then. And by the way, a net net, the, the league made a laid, made a lot of money overall. The league was is very healthy, um, but um, I got those numbers, and it was just like amazing. And the one thing, the last thing I'll do before we'll move off the spreadsheets, Ryan. Yes, uh, you tired of this? All of this is to say that losing regular season games, losing playoff games, has huge financial implications for player pay- paychecks. Well, considering that the Lakers and Clippers probably were going to play somewhere between 20 and 30 playoff games in the Staples Center this year, that gate alone, I think, would probably be in excess of $100 million, the two of them together. And I think when the league comes back, there's a decent chance it's going to not be fans. Sure as hell we're going to play 30 in there. Between the two of them? Yeah. I don't think that math works. 20 maybe, not 30. Especially if they're going to play each other in the conference finals. Okay, so give them seven there. Uh, 13, 19, eh, maybe mid-20s. You ain't going to get to 30. All right, between... You know, between 2025, let's say. Hey. Um, All right. uh, Before we go to our voicemail um, that we got, we have our first voicemail questions. We got a lot of responses from all over the world. So thank you in advance. Uh, And Andrew, you're going to have to get the number because I still don't know it for me to give it out again. Um, The Olympics got postponed this week. Jackie and I were supposed to go. I know, man. Um, uh, Jackie, what are you going to do with that uh, Japan Airlines flight? I already canceled it, and they charged me $500 cancellation fee. Can you believe that? Hmm. I would fight that one, but whatever. Well, I will. I'll let Disney fight it for us since I didn't book the flight myself. But I would think that there would be some recourse. The problem was you could postpone the flight and as long as you use it by December of 2020, which I'm not going to be doing. I'm not going to be going to Japan. I'm not. Um, So the NBA calendar is going to be affected next year. We don't know how. I talked to Jerry Colangelo, who runs USA Basketball, and he is hoping that the Olympics um, take roughly the same dates, which would be late July to early August of next year. But he doesn't know. He has no inside information. Nobody knows. Um, but if the NBA season goes a little bit longer and the Olympics have to move up a little bit, uh, which they're leaving on the table as a possibility, we could see the NBA season and the Olympics cross. And... I'm not saying it would mean no NBA players because obviously you'd have players who wouldn't be in the playoffs. Um, but there is a possibility. I don't know how great it is that there could be no quote unquote dream team, uh, for 2021, 2020 Olympics. You know, you can take it a step further, Brian, and just, um, in some, you know, I started, I talked to a few people today. Their concern is even more grave than that. Their concern is that, the IOC is going to decide to start these Olympics earlier and they're going to do it in the spring when it's not so hot. And, and everyone's like, well, wait a minute, the NBA. Well, you know what? In the big scheme of things, I mean, we all love the NBA. It's important to us, but when it comes to the Olympic games, track and field and swimming are, are bigger draws for them than basketball, gymnastics, right? So this is the one case where the NBA would not rule. And if they had to go on without, 
a USA basketball team that was going to glide to the gold, they would do it. I think it's a possibility. I think it's yeah. something it really is. And, and obviously it's not just USA. It's, you know, players playing for all kinds of other countries, but right. the point is, is I'm still on the money. Like basketball is not the top, you know, it's not the top uh, draw at the Olympics. It is pretty, pretty important though. <laughs> I mean, a lot of, I mean, I agree. It's not Michael Phelps. It's not uh, Katie Ledecky. Simone. It's not Simone Biles. Or, uh, it's, you know, uh, Michael Johnson, whoever track star is. But, but it's not archery. It's it's pretty it's a pretty big thing and it's a what pretty big thing. Archery? What do you got to get against archery, McMahon? It's uh, a skill. It's an art. Dude. I mean, it's, it's a an skill. art. Great. Okay. Cool. Like, but do it with you, a, an, so, an apple and, and all that kind of crap. I don't so, even see it on TV. I mean, what would happen? I mean, you know, maybe college players. But what if it's what if it's so early that it runs into the college season? I mean, Jackie, what if it's a matter of like, do NBA players lend? Like uh, one of the things that we see, there's qualifying for these various events that happen during the year, right. and nobody pays attention to it. But like in February, believe it or not, Team USA played some games at the Wizards practice facility um, to qualify for uh, an event that's later on. They'll probably be postponed now. Yeah, and it's and, a bunch but, of unemployed G leaguers. Yeah, or it's G, or G league or teams lend their G leaguers to go yeah. do it. Would an NBA team lend a player or two? I mean, I, I mean, Jerry Colangelo said said to me yesterday. He goes, um, uh, "We have to be honest here. These guys are NBA players first. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. and the thing is, let's just say they do keep it to the same date. Let's just play that game. Your your point is a good one. You know, because this season, if it resumes, will will resume later, and therefore you would expect it to run later. All of those things. But let's just say, for argument's sake. NBA players are available and can go if they so choose with the short turnaround. You know, Kevin Durant is now back in the mix. All these other players are a year older, maybe less likely to play. It, it, and a, a year older, you know, some of these great young players are a year older. Maybe Zion is good enough now. He, he's not even on the radar for that. Maybe Jason Tatum has taken that leap that everybody keeps forecasting for him. It could really change the whole a dynamic of the roster with just in just one year's time. We've seen that happen before. Players take huge jumps. Players get hurt. There's recover. Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, all the, it really changes the dynamic of that roster. Yeah. Something that we're going to be, a lot of people are going to be watching very closely because um, these players, it's a big marketing opportunity for these guys uh, as well. Um, all right, so we're going to go to some of our uh, call, some of our hotline uh, callers. Uh, Andrew, what is the hotline number? The uh, hotline number for those that would like to provide comments or ask questions is 402-316-2955. That's 402-316-2955. I'll probably say this again at the end. Okay. All right. So uh, we got a call from Kirk. Hi there. Long-time listener, first-time caller. My name is Kirk. I'm a Mavs fan from Washington, D.C. Hi, McMahon. My favorite thing about this podcast is your stories from all your years reporting. So with that in mind, say you're at a party with lots of non-NBA people, and you get asked a question about your job. What's your go-to story that you like to share? Thank you. 
Ooh. Well, how many beers have I had would be the first. You know. I mean, yeah, I mean, we can we can share on this podcast. <laughs> I'm I'm at zero beers right now, so huh, my go-to story. That is a good question. Jeez. Honestly, so there's go-to stories for parties and then there's what you can share on podcasts and those That's would not certainly would not necessarily uh be one and the same. Um, you know what? The time that Lamar Odom acted like he was going to uh, put a whooping on me in front of the entire uh, media and and most of his teammates in the uh, in the Mavericks old basement practice gym would be a pretty good one. Mm. Am I supposed to? You want you want to hear that story? Yeah, sure. Okay, so. This was an old lame lamb came back. You remember his one rather inglorious season. Or he got traded. He got traded to Dallas. And he was miserable. And miserable. He, Absolutely yeah, miserable. Kind of powdered his way out. Right? Well, and, and in his defense, you know, he had a lot of bad things happen in his life. Getting traded from the Lakers was kind of, you know, the the last log on that fire. We come to find out, you know, later that he had a, a literally a crack problem. Um, so there's a lot going on here. And this is right after Lamb Lamb took his little all-star break sabbatical. <laughs> and uh, did, he so go to, I, did he go to Nevada? I don't want to know where he went. He went to a dark, dark place. Um, and so I remember very clearly that this was a Monday afternoon practice, and it's his first practice back. Um, and because I, I remember it was a Monday because Lamb Lamb – with, uh, with with Chloe, I guess, sat up in his little penthouse apartment and for some reason was watching the local CBS Sports Sunday show that I happened to be on. And they asked me about, obviously, the whole situation with Lamar Odom. And I said something along the lines of, Lamar Odom is sucking the soul out of this team, sucking the soul out of the locker room. And, you know, went on and and so we come in, and at the end of practice, as, as you guys know, the, basically you come in and guys are like shooting around, shooting free throws, practice is over. And so he's he's shooting his free throws, and he points at me. We're on the baseline. He points at me, <laughs> and he goes, I'll never forget this. He goes, your mouth runneth over. <laughs> I like that. Many people have said that to you or thought that. Uh, I don't know if anybody ever has said my mouth has runneth over. They might have said I flap my gums too much, but this is the first time I was told my mouth runneth over. <laughs> I bet there were some of your teachers who thought that. Yes. And uh, oh, the, the, there's a long list of people. And then he's like, we need to talk. We need to talk. I'm like, okay, I'm standing right here. You know, when you're done, come talk to me. And so, you know, he, he wraps up and there's, like I said, it's a basement court. So there's these stairs heading up, uh, to the Mavericks locker room and he starts heading up the stairs. I said, Lamar, I thought you need to talk to me. So I'm going to let you off the hook. I'm, I'm like, I don't need to be let off the hook. Like, what are you talking about? I didn't, <laughs> I'm not in the wrong here. And so, you know, as we're kind of going through this, he starts coming back down the stairs and, uh, Dirk is doing media out on the court a little bit, so the whole horde goes over there. And then I'll get to the point here. We we argue a little. He and he basically accused me of making stuff up. You're one of those sources said guy. You can make up anything. And he starts to turn around and head back up the stairs. And I delivered a few expletives where I basically <laughs> said. He's not afraid to back down. We know that. I basically the clean version is 
you're questioning my integrity when you just oh, went AWOL no. for however many days and then Uh-oh. pull all this other, you know, stuff this seat like oh and he, you know, marched down the stairs. I'll bet he did and old uh <laughs> and old Scooter Tomlin bless him, the the Mavs PR man. Uh he he steps in between and so uh Odom marches back up the stairs and I look over and Dirk and like however many media people, 20 media people are all turned around just watching this whole thing unfold. So that was my, my good times with old lamb lamb. God, I tell you what, he had some great, he had some, some great quotes that year. The, the, the game before he was a DNP CD, the game before Cuban finally booted him. And after that game, obviously it's a big story. So, you know, we're all talking to him and he's, I remember he said, I'm a sportsman. I'm like, like he. It was so weird. He talked like he was like in medieval times or something. <laughs> I guess so. Jackie, do you have one? Uh, do I have one? I'll do you. I'll do an old timey one, a yes. good old days one. You want one of those? Yeah. So I'm a young reporter, and I'm just trying to stay out of everybody's way. I'm in Boston. I work for the Globe, and the Celtics are in the finals every year. It's the mid '80s, and they're a great team. And I'm not around them a lot. So when I am around them, it's important for me to present myself properly and all that sort of thing. So they're practicing at the garden because back in the finals, that's what they do. And practices were open. We used to be able to go watch the practices. So I had written a story on uh, Danny Age just a few days before that. And it was sort of about how he was flied off the handle. He was hyperactive is the word. I, I, I called him hyperactive, you know, because he was always bouncing off things and saying things and people, you know, everybody in the league hated him and, you know, Tree Rollins bit him and everybody still to this day thinks <laughs> Danny H bit him and, you know, those kind of things, right? So anyway, when I got to practice, when I walked in there, they're all like, Danny, you're so hyperactive. You know, they're making fun of him for this story I had written. And I was young and I was a little embarrassed and I didn't really, I didn't really want the attention. It was a little uncomfortable for me. So I was sort of, you know, backing up out of the way. And then they started practice and they, they had us stand in the corner and all the uh, maintenance men were putting up new lights up into the garden. And there were those long tubes that I don't think are even legal anymore. You know, those long glass tubes. Yeah. Like that. And so, right. So that was the end of practice. And I was trying to get out of the way of this guy on the ladder who was picking up these long tubes. So I pivoted to turn away and I knocked them all over and they all fell off the pitch and smashed on the floor in the middle of the Celtics practice, which was not cool. So I am dying and, Danny just turned to me and he said, Jackie, uh, uh-oh. Anyway, this kind is of, going. you're kind of a little hyperactive, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> it was a pretty humiliating day in a young reporter's life. You survived way, it well. I do think, Jackie, I do think uh, the angel's hyperactive back then. Of course he was. He was. He was. But so was I. So we were both right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, this, is, this isn't my, my best one, but I, look at, I don't think I've ever told this story before. So it, know, it's been 15 years, so I might as well. Um, in 2005, when Dan Gilbert bought the Cavs, which is this month, 15 years ago, um, mid you know, bought them mid-season. And uh, I won't say the guy's name. If you followed the team at that time, you know who the guy was. Um, but he had a partner that he bought the team with. And it wasn't Usher. Usher was like his own some little percentage. And like, he was like the – it was sort of in vogue at that time to have – uh, an entertainer or somebody like join your ownership group. Like I remember Nelly had like a piece of the 
Charlotte uh, Hornets when they or uh, Bobcats when they came back or something. Drake, baby. Yeah, uh, you know Jay Z had a little sliver Jay-Z. of the uh, yeah, yeah J- J- or Jay Z had a little sliver of the Nets for a while. Anyway, um, so they bought the team. I want to say like on a Monday or a Tuesday, and they had a game. I think the next night, and um, so I walk over to this guy who was like the co-owner, pretty prominent co-owner. He's been long long since out of the ownership group. And I introduced myself to him because I hadn't met him before. This is on the sideline of a game, probably about 20 minutes before tip-off. And he says to me, this is how he opens the conversation, no pleasantries, really. He goes, I've been paying attention, and you seem to have a lot of sources with this team. And I go, oh, I, you know, I guess I try. And he goes, if you tell me who they are, I'll give you $100,000. Offer stands till <laughs> Offer stands till Friday, and he walked away. Seriously? Swear to God. Did you take the money? So that's where you got that that $100,000 from. (laughs) Yeah, uh, that was a significant uh, piece of money in 2000, what still is to this day. I mean, it's not right now. Well, yeah, but I mean, it was significantly, it was uh, probably double my salary, give or take, at that time. And um, I, I, I was, you know, I was still pretty young i was probably about 27 or so i mean, I wasn't exactly sage and it was uh I mean, you still had a buzz cut back then <laughs> i did you're not kidding and um you need to go and back so i was it. i was kind of stunned you know and so i never i never i didn't say anything because i think th- i think this was like like tuesday or wednesday so i think he's like you know, i think he gave me like two days to take his offer you know i i wasn't informed on how i was supposed to take his offer i just um, said add a zero and i'll think about it I I think I said in the moment, how about you give me a percentage of the team? I think I sort of joked, but he was there dead. He was dead serious. Um, and so later on, I don't remember if it was months later or a year later, he sent me an email and apologized. But uh, that was a pretty stunning <laughs> – that was a pretty stunning introduction to the guy. I, I was offered a uh, $500,000 a year salary by Cuban once. Actually, it was because of Lamar Odom, and he reneged on it. I would have taken that job. He, said, taken that job. he said that if, if, uh, if they kicked Lamar Odom off the team, he would make me the general manager and pay me five hundred grand a year. And then, like a week later, he booted Lamar Odom from the team, and, and <laughs> there you my, go. My, my 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 attempt to get that five hundred thousand dollars salary did not uh, did not work. Um, all right, well, we have a lot more of these calls, and we'll um, take some uh, in the coming shows. But please give us a call and leave us questions. And we have some of them on here we already covered, like the piece I'll be asked about the Olympics and stuff. But um, we got a lot of them. So uh, How many, did they, anybody did anybody call and tell us that we're idiots? Oh, I um, hope An- so. Andrew did not give me all of them. He gave me a selection of them. I think he probably gave me less than half. And I did ask him how many um, how many prank calls there were. He said there were a few. But uh, I'm sure there was some other things said, too. But um, it'll get us through this time. So, um, all right. Well, thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective Podcast. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you, Tim. Have as good of a week as you can, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>